0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by M-Prize Bank, your partner, Impossible. Coming up, the latest episode of the KCSN Draft Show, getting Chiefs Kingdom ready for the 2023 NFL Draft. Hosted right here in Kansas City with the best analysis, interviews, and content you can find to stay up to date and in the know. With that said, let's begin the show.
2: Welcome to the KCSN Draft Show. I'm BJ Kissel. We are hanging out with ESPN's Matt Miller to talk a little Chiefs and a little NFL Draft. We're going to focus on the running backs as we had a chance to talk with uh, three of them out at the East-West Shrine Bowl who are going to be drafted at some point over draft weekend. Excited to get Matt's takes on this, but Matt, man, appreciate your time. I know this is like Christmas season uh, for you guys who study the NFL Draft all year long right i'm like little elves
3: making toys all day uh you no know, it's fun man it's uh like i texted you this morning i woke up was like oh man it's draft season like it's uh it is uh i got one day off to go to rolls home opener uh they couldn't even win a game for me but uh great time uh, and uh yeah we got we got four weeks of fun ahead of us and i'm i'm excited for this uh, these conversations today
2: Yeah, didn't run into you. I Heard you ran into Tucker, but uh, I did not run into you uh, out at. uh, I yeah, we were out there as well. I got my, I stole my kids out of school, uh, which (laughs) I stole my kids out of school, which they were happy about. Uh, We left right after MJ grounded in the double play in the fifth, but we made it five innings, which for an eight-year-old and a five-year-old, like by myself, like I will take it, hundred percent.
3: Three on and you ground into a double play. This it's going to be a long season. The young team, you know what? It's a young team. It's a beautiful ballpark. And I'm just going to enjoy it. I'm just going to enjoy it. I going to enjoy it i do not even care if they're yeah. going to lose. I'm just going to enjoy it. This could be a brutal transition. But speaking of young, let's
2: talk about that's the Chiefs it. running back situation. Obviously, last year, another player right. talking about interviews and throwing to these interviews from the East-West Shrine Bowl, Chiefs running back Isaiah Pacheco. Uh, I have been constantly corrected when saying Pacheco that that is not correct. So I hear you people. Really, Isaiah Pacheco. That's what I've been told in the comment section. And that's what I've been messaged at that I've been consistently saying it wrong. So, Pacheco. I have... Like, cheeks. All right. So, we're learning something new today. anybody listening that's been doing that as well, uh, we're all get on the same boat here. And then now people are going to tell me that that's wrong, and it was actually saying it right the whole time. So, you can't trust the commenters sometimes. But I heard you. I looked it up. I've heard people say Pacheco. So, we're going with Pacheco. But obviously, Chiefs have a starting running back that they got last year late in the draft. Uh, Great for them. But running back is still an issue. I don't say an issue, but in uh, an area that they're going to be adding a new body, at least. Because the only guys they have under contract right now, the running back position, are Isaiah Pacheco, Clyde Edwards-Elair, and we'll talk about him in a second, because there's some thoughts about Clyde that I I kind of differ with. So, thoughts on that. And then LaMichael P. Ryan, uh, another running back that was fighting for a roster spot, kind of been around the league. So, uh, another guy going into camp in the offseason that could try to earn a spot. But, Matt, we'll we'll talk about Pacheco, but I want to talk about the Clyde Edwards-Elair thing first, because... And looking at his contracts, I think a lot of Chiefs fans are just assuming that Clyde is going to be gone. I know a lot was made about him not being at the Super Bowl parade. and He was up in New York uh, doing his thing. I don't know all the behind the scenes. It On the surface, from the outside, it looks kind of strange. Uh, but I don't think it's a, a given necessarily because of the reason I'm going right. to bring up that you just assume that he's not going to be here. And that is the fact that if Clyde edwards elaire won, he gets a $1.2 million guaranteed roster bonus for this season as part of his rookie deal. So he's due $1.2 million that he's going to be guaranteed regardless. But Matt, his dead cap hit is $2.5 million if they cut him. If they keep him, his cap hit is 3.4. million. So you're only really extending that by like 900 grand. which to go get a veteran running back, if you need a veteran, if you feel like you need a guy that's got some experience to go in that room, uh, wouldn't it make sense to keep Clyde? At that point you have a motivated player or at least keep him through the
3: preseason, maybe try to trade him if he spikes a little bit and has a good preseason? So I got asked about this like right after the season. Um I don't I was doing radio maybe in Kansas City and somebody asked, It's like it costs more to cut him than it does to keep him. So like what uh-huh. why would you why would you cut a player um that yeah, I mean, sure he hasn't lived up to expectation. We can all agree with that. But I think he still has value. It's still we're talking about a very inexpensive player. Like you don't need a right. two million dollars. You're good, right? So, um, I also think it goes into the almost like the money ball of football. It's like, okay, well, how much is it going to cost to replace him versus what it costs to keep him? And so, my answer at the running back position is bring back Jared McKinnon. He's still out there as a yeah. free agent, you know, the best year of his career in your offense. I, I think there's some mutual interest there to get something done, probably after the draft is when that's going to happen, but like just bring Jet back. And just run it back with the, the groups that you had last year. No pun intended. Uh, just, ha- you know, you have a good group. And if Clyde can be, you know, the the Ronald Jones of that group, then cool. Like, that's, it's a yeah. very inexpensive third running back who knows the system. And if if Pacheco, there you notice that, if Pacheco gets hurt, if McKinnon, who has had a lot of injury uh, issues throughout mm-hmm. his career, one of those guys goes down, you have a really reliable running back who knows the system. You're not going to bring yeah. somebody off the street and and teach them the system. So, hey, Clyde's been been a disappointment. There's no way around that. But I think he still has value as a very inexpensive player for the next two years. And he's a motivated player. I mean, he it's not like
2: he doesn't want to get better, so unless the relationship is beyond repair, which we don't know. Um, and again, we're looking into the fact that he wasn't there for the Super Bowl parade. That's what at least I'm referring to. If people out there listening or watching or thinking about that too, it's is it beyond repair? Where if he doesn't want to be a part? Of what's going on and there's no indication outside of speculation on why he was in new york that we would believe that but to your point like why pay him and give him all those opportunities and then when he's not that expensive and he knows he's got to perform if he wants to continue his nfl career behind his rookie deal that that's a perfect time to keep a player and the contract years exactly undefeated i don't think yeah they're not keeping that fifth year option um but if you're only saving 900 grand by releasing him He's worth 900 grand as a motivated player that does have talent. And so, unless you're going to draft a guy, if they don't bring back McKinnon for whatever reason, you draft a guy and all of a sudden you have Lamichael P. Ryan, Isaiah Pacheco, and a rookie running back. That's a really young rookie or uh, really young running back room. And so, just with a couple first and second year players. So, uh, we'll see how that plays out. Let's talk a little bit about uh, one of the running backs that's available in this draft if the Chiefs are going to add somebody, which I would not be surprised at all if they take uh, a young running back or running back in the draft at some point. Not real high, uh, not trying to trigger anybody, but uh, at some point in this draft. But let's talk first guy that we had a chance to talk with out, um, at the East-West Shrine Bowl to get your thoughts on. Uh, Xavier Valaday, a running back out of Arizona State. Spent a few years, uh, first chunk of his career with Wyoming and then transferred and played at Arizona State his final year and put up some pretty big numbers,
3: Matt. Yeah, big numbers. That's what jumps off. And I, I think for players like this, what you want is you need that We've talked about it before with some of these guys. You need that number. You need the thing. Whether it's a, it might be a forty time, it might be a vertical jump, it might be sixteen touchdowns, uh, like like Valaday had last year. You know, it's like you need something uh, that, that that breaks out. And I think that's the the key for him. As somebody who this is an outside zone runner uh, who had you know that slasher size that you fans have seen a lot of. Um, so yeah, he he's got his thing. He's got his calling card. It's the sixteen touchdowns in your first season at Arizona State. Uh, that's definitely you know, what you think of first when you hear his name.
2: Yeah, we had a chance to talk to him. We'll throw to that interview here in a second. But it was important for him to change the level of competition going from Wyoming yeah. and proving that he could play uh, on a bigger stage and 1,200 yards, 16 touchdowns with some of the plays. And you'll see it on the highlights in the video. I, I think he answered some of those questions. So right now, let's throw it to that interview at the East-West Shrine Bowl with us at KC Sports Network, hanging out, talking with Arizona State running back, Xavier Valade. Steven, thanks for
4: sitting down with us. We appreciate the time. We appreciate, you know, your your opportunity here. What, I just want to start with this. What got you into football? Like when you were younger, what got you playing the game of football?
5: So I was, uh, I had an uh, uncle at the time, you know, I was about at least like six, seven years old. And, you know, I was trying to look for, you know, things or like a career for me to do. And, you know, my uncle at the time, uh, his name was Cliff. And, you know, I seen him playing uh, football uh what was the i think the team was called the spartans so at the time you know i thought it was very like you know physical and just i thought it was just something that i I could do so uh you know just having like you know interest and just you know uh just going to watch him practice and stuff you know i i had a net i had a nick for it and just being able just to you know start start young and you know try to find something i was good at and did your your uncle
4: help kind of not train you but help get you, improve you on the football field? Or is there another coach throughout your childhood that kind of helped get you to that point?
5: No, he didn't really coach me through anything, but I definitely thought, you know, I had, you know, some mentors, you know, as far as, you know, a guy named coach Louis Trent, you know, that's where I started my football career. And, you know, that's where I started off learning what an A and B hole was and, you know, just being able just to pick up on, you know, just the bases and the starts, the starts of everything, you know, as far as, you know, being a running back.
6: So do you have any players that you like to model your game after anybody that you watch that you, you look at and you're like, man, I, I feel like that's me. I can be that type of guy.
5: For sure. Uh, so uh, when I was, when I was young, you know, I had two uh, one running back at the time, you know, at my favorite college at the time was TCU just okay. because of Aaron green and uh, Josh Doxon, you know, they just uh, had like a whole bunch of history and stuff. But, you know, as I got older, and as I start, you know, to learn more about my game, you know, I definitely thought that my game, uh, everything that I was, you know, that I was displaying was, you know, similar to Alvin Kamara. Mm-hmm.
6: Yeah. So, is there anything that you watch when you're watching Alvin Kamara that you're just like, you know, I need to improve on that to get better at that, like him, or something that you look at and you're like, man, I feel like I do that really well, just you know, like him.
5: I, I, I definitely think is is uh, is is ways that Alvin, you know, the way he can catch the ball out the backfield and. Be able just to you know stick his foot in the ground and make that first defender miss. You know that's that's uh that's a lot of things that you know I try to watch. You know whether if it's on YouTube or whether it's, whether if it's him playing on Sundays. Be like man, like how are you doing it? Like how, you, he's just knifing up field. You know it, he's like a slasher. So just being able just to you know really lock in. You know sometimes like I on my free time I even take notes about you know how guys doing stuff. You know I I'll be on NFL Game Pass on YouTube. Just watching, you know, guys like Dalvin Cook, uh, Melvin Gordon, just to see how, you know, they break down, you know, the defenses and, you know, how they how they can get better on uh, things throughout their career.
4: So when you're coming out of the locker room, coming out of the tunnel, getting ready for a game, what, what's going through your mind? What's your mentality as you're stepping onto the field to get ready for this game?
5: Dominate. I have to go out there and dominate. Uh, I'm, I am I have to be determined. Uh, you know, everything, you know, I can't think about nothing but just, you know, trusting in the process, trusting in uh, the game plan. Whenever my number is called, I have to make plays, period. Do you have a, a ritual or something that you have to do to get yourself in that kind
4: of mindset or is it just a switch that you can flip as you step on the field?
5: Uh, you know, I pray that I have a scripture, you know, that I always, you know, carry uh on the field with me, just you know, just believing in God that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. So, you know, and I feel like, you know, when I run, you know, sometimes I think about that, you know, I just get a get some chills just because, you know, I I feel like sometimes I'm not the only one out there running on the field, you know. I feel like he's with me just, you know, through throughout uh everything that, you know, I've been through. So um, you know, and I feel like a lot of people have, you know a lot of things that, uh, uh, that they carry on, on, on the uh, back of their shoulders, just, you know, just to keep them going.
6: So let's, let's talk about your great game prep It's game week. You got stuff coming up. Maybe you guys have identified run concepts and things like that, that yep. you're trying to prepare for. What sorts of things are you looking at on the film that you're trying to see the creases that you might be able to find, maybe mm-hmm. a certain defender that you feel like you can attack. What yep. are you looking for and how do you go about your preparation?
5: So, you know, when I definitely when I, when I watch film, what I look for is I like to see, you know, um, as far as the, the D linemen to see, you know, how how good can they uh, sustain blocks or, you know, work off double teams to see if they get pushed back or to see if they can control their gap to see, you know, if they can shed blocks, you know, try to, you know, make a move or a move on me or you know different linebackers you know it's a lot of teams that uh linebackers that are, they're very downhill and fast or you know a lot of li- uh lateral linebackers as well so um I'll definitely see you know how the corners and safeties tackle you know to see you know uh if they always put their head down like to you know just go straight for your legs for example or or if they like to uh hit you up high so um depending on what teams uh you know depending on how they tackle um you know, to see, you know, uh, how how fast their strong safety can come and fit the box for runs or just to see, you know, just different type of tend- tendencies to see, you know, uh, how, how how fast guys can, you know, uh, get ready to, you know, make a play. So
6: let's talk about you're out in the flat, you got a corner, you know, coming up against you, trying to come up with a tackle. What's going through your mind? Are you excited because you got a DB on you and you feel like you can right. make a play in open space or, you know, kind of walk us through a little bit what you're thinking, your eyes
5: getting wide, all of that. So definitely, you know, uh, as running backs, we love to run on corners, you know, because we they always think that we're so big, so they're instantly their 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 first instinct, you know, I'm going to go for his legs because they don't want to tackle tackle us up, uh, you know, high. So just being able just to, you know, if I was to catch a pass and you know, in, on the flat, or if I was to break a run and bounce it to the outside, you know, I I'm I'm I I look at you in your eyes like, come on, man, bring it on because you know. Like this this is this is something that you that you better be ready for. So uh just being able just to, you know, I'm gonna bring the fight to you because you know, whether you're backing up in zone coverage or, you know, you're a man and you see me coming off, so you want to, you know, stick your foot in the ground and get up field, you know, I'm either gonna make a move and try to cause you're gonna have to keep the cup. You know, you gotta stay outside, you know, force me back inside. So if you don't do that, then you know, you're gonna hear your coach yelling at you on the sideline. So <laughs> Uh, just being able just to, you know, be aware of my situations, being able just to, you know, stick my foot in the ground because most corners go low. So um, it's, it's just about driving knees and, you know, being explosive.
4: So is there a game from your college career that you would point someone to that maybe hasn't watched you before to say, hey, go watch this game to see what I'm all about, to see your game the best?
5: Definitely. i probably say uh, probably Oklahoma State or UCLA. Just, uh, just, and I say that because, you know, a lot of, it's probably been a lot of questions out there about me uh, playing at the, you know, the next level and, you know, playing higher competition. So, uh, you know, going to the Pac-12, I feel like, you know, uh, our biggest game was probably, you know, UCLA or, you know, Oklahoma State. You know, those out-of-conference, those non-conference games are always big, you know, especially for players to, you know, uh, uh, to have a big performance on. So just being able just to, uh, you know, show my speed against uh, uh, Oklahoma State and being able to show my versatility out of backfield against UCLA. Is there a
4: specific play from either one of those games that you kind of remember every little detail about and that you could walk me through?
5: Uh, so I had an outside zone play. Uh, I actually had a couple of plays against Oklahoma state, you know, the first play uh, it might've been the first play of our series, you know, when we got the ball, uh, I had a, a inside zone play, you know, I definitely cut it off uh, the back of our fullback, you know, case had, she definitely had a, a great block for me where, you know, I had uh, I ran for a, at least like 40 yards just to, you know, be able to show my speed and, you know, uh, uh, I got a, a, safety came and, you know, tackled me out of bounds. And, you know, later in that game, I think it was probably like the first or second play in the uh, fourth quarter where we had the same, uh, outside zone play that we were uh, trying to scheme the defense on and, uh, just being able just to, you know, uh, follow my, follow my offensive, uh, offensive lineman outside on the, uh, on the left side, uh, being able just to be patient to, you know, get my wide receivers to get that key block to me to spring on the, down the sideline and, uh, just being able to show my speed. But, uh, you know, I've definitely you know broke off a couple long runs just to be able just to be able to show I could play at the next level. So,
6: let's say you break off a big long run, score a touchdown. Mm-hmm. It's the game. It's the play that ices the game. You you just won the game for your team. Do you want that to be at home in front of all your fans, where you're celebrating, everybody's going crazy? You wanted to be on the road against your biggest rival and everything goes quiet. Cause you just ended the game, man.
5: I would definitely love to be on the road. I would love <laughs> to be on the road just because it, you, you might not think when you, when you're on the road, uh, a lot of people might not know you. So, you know, just, you know, you showing out just, you know, from the first quarter, to all the way to the fourth quarter, whether if it it's you know, seven to 21 in the first half. And then, you know, we, and we got, uh we come back and, you know, tie the game 21, 21. And, you know, it's three minutes left in the fourth quarter and you have to show, you know, like who, who's going to, who's going to make this big play, you know, to, you know, either win the game or you, or you just going to go into overtime. So you know, I definitely want to be on the road. So
6: you come off the field after a big game, you know, not necessarily that one, but any <laughs> big game, what do you want to hear the opposing coach say about you on the podium what what sorts of things let you know that you've had a really good game that game
5: he uh he was tough to stop even though we tried to get game, game plan against him you know everything that we tried to do it you know it didn't slow him down do you have
4: a favorite concept whether a run or you mentioned alan kamar earlier a, a pass route that you like to run Do you just have a favorite play called for you when it's your turn to get yours it's all about you
5: definitely i, I love running gap scheme Uh, you know, and my favorite pass play would probably, you know, be an option route or definitely mesh, mesh, (laughs) mesh concept. So just be able to show that speed, you know, probably get a nice ball over the top, you know, against a linebacker that's trying to, you know, uh, trying to keep up with me, man.
4: (laughs) All right. So let's fast forward a little bit. Let's get through this long process. It's a long draft process. Let's get to the end of it. It's draft night. You get that phone call, you pick it up, you know, team tells you that they are drafting you right then what's going through your mind. What emotions are you feeling in that moment?
5: Man, I'm, you know, it'll probably just be so much going on, just being able to, you know, just being able just to see, you know, if 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 they think I'm the right fit for them. And, you know, me just being able just to see, you know, I would love to be the right fit. I feel like I'm the right fit for any team, you know, just being able just to, you know, have people believe in me and, you know, being able just to, you know, watch my film and just believe in everything that I've displayed, you know, to to all of them. So. Man, there will probably be a lot of emotions going on. Just, you know, it took a long time coming, uh, dreams coming true, just a whole bunch of things going on, just just being able uh, to be blessed and uh, have that opportunity. You're listening to the fastest-growing sports media network in Kansas City,
0: KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate
2: All right, Welcome back to the KCSN Jaff Show. I'm BJ Kissel. We're hanging out with ESPN draft expert, Mr. Matt Miller, to be part of ESPN's coverage of the 2023 NFL draft that's here in Kansas City. So Matt, man, we just watched the interview with Xavier Valade, and now we're going to go to the next one and talk about a player that I know you and I both like. Really enjoyed this interview uh, with Houston's Derek Parrish, a uh, fullback, not a traditional running back like football player. and the next a guy. Football a, player. a football player. Exactly how Kent Swanton right. described him uh, in the interview that we'll throw to him in a minute. But uh, give me your thoughts on Derek Parrish and what kind of team uh, is going to take a take a chance on a player that doesn't have a great fit anywhere, but just one of those dudes you want in your locker
3: room. Doesn't have a great fit anywhere, can play everywhere. This is the base of the hill of defensive live prospects in this draft class, Matt. I do. No, he is not your conventional edge rusher. He's 6'2", 245 pounds. I don't care. I If I were running an NFL team, and I will try to use my influence with every general manager I know, I'm drafting him in the seventh round. Like I want to make sure. like This is not a UDFA player. I want to make sure this dude's on my team because he's a starting fullback in the NFL. And I know that maybe it doesn't mean as much as it used to, but he's a starting fullback in the NFL. He's going to just absolutely bomb people on special teams right and then he could come in as a situational edge rusher uh the value i just named three positions he can play that you need the value is absolutely there uh, at a very low cost but also like um i've talked to, to you know coaches at houston who say like this is a program building type player because he's selfless he's a great leader uh i can't wait to see the interview because i know he's a great personality as well yeah and like and he gets it There's no pretense here where he thinks that he's going to be the next Nick Bosa, right? That's not happening. He knows that Hey, I have an opportunity to carve out a future for myself in the NFL, and I will do whatever it takes to be that guy. And so I think if Coach Dana likes you at Houston, that's also that helps, right? And and I know Dana loves Derek, so um, yeah, man, I'm excited to see where it just Please God, let a team draft him that has a sense of humor and also that <laughs> is willing to let him be himself. Uh, you know, you guys have a great history of fullbacks in Kansas City, no. from Anthony Sherman to Michael Parton. Like, let Derek Parrish be the next guy. There's an opening. You know, I'm a fullback right now. Colin Saunders is gone too, so you lost your other I eye. Mean, I don't want to talk
2: about that. Here's your here's it's your God, This is your answer. So, yeah, we've been saying for years. You know, you get down to the end of you know training camp and you try to figure out that uh, 53 man roster and it always come down to fullback and you'd always have that that's very short conversation of like do we need a fullback do we need to keep this because we're giving up a receiver and all the 10th offensive lineman or the you know seventh receiver seventh corner or whatever it is um seventh db and the chiefs would always keep one and they don't have one on the roster right now i know there's some talk out there about noah gray uh playing some h-back and so playing some fullback in college so if they need somebody in that role maybe he does it but if they're going in the draft to get a player to play some of those uh, fullback reps that the Chiefs do like to use, and then a special teams player, I would be ecstatic if Derek Parrish ended up in a Kansas City Chiefs uniform.
3: So, uh, yeah. Matt. And you know what? I'm, I'm a Niners fan. If Derek Parrish, Brett Beach, listen to me. Uh, clip this out for me, Tucker. I'm going to send this to Beach. If you draft Derek Parrish, not only will I be sporting a Derek Parrish jersey, I will buy cheap season tickets and probably get them all away because I'm not going, but like this he would instantly be my second favorite player on the Kansas City Chiefs. This is a great segue because if you wear a Derek Parrish jersey, you have to wear it the way that Derek Parrish wears his
2: jerseys, which is uh, very this much is no rock top happened. you are rocking like not even like the the just the abs, like the full on like bottom of pecs like type uh no crop top yeah, BJ. <laughs> no one <laughs> to right, see that. Uh my- Yeah, but I appreciate the vote of confidence. All right, let's throw to that interview. Here's uh, our guys at KC Sports Network talking with Houston fullback slash edge rusher slash special teams captain, just a football player, Derek Parrish.
8: Uh, We're excited to be talking to Derek Parrish, the edge rusher, fullback. I just want to call you a football player out of Houston. Everything. Yeah, Derek, thanks for joining us, man.
9: I appreciate it. Thank you all for having me.
8: Let's, Let's talk a little about the game of football, how you fell in love with it uh
9: shoot pretty early on uh i played first year of football i think five or six it was flag uh got into a little league that was tackle and man i was i think i'm I'm a brag we were pretty cold we lost (laughs) two two games in four years so you know going into school ball and stuff that was a pretty fun experience and since then it's just love of the game it's my first love so Gave is, up everything, everything for this game.
4: Is there anyone throughout your childhood or your life that's kind of helped inspire you to make this push and get you going down this path to football?
9: Definitely. Uh Troy Palomalo. Because I, I wore 43 in literally. <laughs> okay. So, you know, he he played safety and stuff, but the way he played the game was really what kind of hit home hit home for me. So.
8: so uh, you know, what are the what are the things that you want an opposing coach to say about Derek Parrish, the player, when they get done playing you?
9: You're damn good ball player. That's like, that's probably the biggest compliment. Like you're like, you're forced to stop, you know, uh, that's happened a couple of times, but, and that makes you feel good coming off the field, knowing that, you know, your opposing team sees you as that kind of player.
4: Let's talk a little bit. you edge rusher, fullback. You're just kind of playing everywhere. How did that come about for you during your career? I uh,
9: shoot. I grew up, I mean, I grew up playing a bunch of positions. I started as running back in little league, actually not fullback, but I, you know, got carries and stuff mm-hmm. fullback and defensive end in little league. As I went into like junior high ball, I played a uh, little receiver, outside linebacker. Going into college, I played, not, not college, high school, I played safety, got moved down to middle linebacker, senior year, got moved down to uh, D-lineman, and then moved into When I was getting recruited, I got recruited as a linebacker, middle linebacker to U of H, and then moved down to outside linebacker within a 3-4 scheme, and then got into a 4-2, got moved down to stand-up edge rusher, and then sprinkled in a little fullback my last three years there.
4: Now, did you request you to go play fullback, or did they ask you to?
9: They kind of they pitched it to me, and I was like, you know, what, let's do it. You know, it was a, it was a short yardage thing, and you know, I've been told that I've got a pretty good bill of fullback, so I, you know, I want to take it on, take it head on, and and just help the team win. Really, do what I can.
8: Okay, right, so let's talk about you know you're you're kind of transitioning more to to a fullback role. Uh, it seems like uh, in in the NFL, how do you think that edge rusher background is going to help you uh, as you try to develop into a full time fullback?
9: I think it. I think. It'll do great for me because, you know, I have those tools as well as learning on top of an offensive position. Mm -hmm. And I think a player that can do both ways is, you know, a valuable player along with special teams and all that. So, I mean, and, you know, I had a great coach at a U of H, Coach Early, who really, you know, didn't just teach me to be a DN. He taught me how to be a efficient pass rusher, the chess game, all that. So I think those tools will help me, you know, become what I want to become in the NFL.
4: You mentioned a coach there at Houston. Do you have another coach or somebody that has kind of just helped be a mentor to you throughout your entire football playing career that you're maybe still in contact with or anything like that?
9: Oh yeah, uh, Daryl Bauer, the strength uh, coach, Bauer, uh, strength coach. Uh, he, you know, he he forged my mind, body, and and taught me how to get another gear, like find that next gear. So I uh, thank him for basically transforming me into who I am right now, who I am today.
8: Derek, I got a really, really deep, meaningful question to ask you. So when I watch your tape, the first thing that sticks out to me is the crop top. <laughs> and like right now, the, the thighs are out right now, and this is right. how like how are you going to like? I think one of the biggest transitions for you to the NFL be, might be you might not be able to use the crop top in the <laughs> National Football League. How are you gonna navigate that?
9: I've I've thought about that and I've seen people get fined for like <laughs> For like uh wardrobe stuff on the yeah. field, I'm just you might just have to eat it up. You know, my crop top's probably over with, and you know I'm okay with that.
8: So Derek, you're, you're, what are you're you saying? You play for free if you could just wear a crop top?
9: I'll take I'll take the fly. Like, yeah, it all depends. But now I'm just playing.
5: Oh, that's funny.
8: That no, that, that's a good question. I, I love it. I, I love the wardrobe choices. Those are great. Uh, I think he, he of, does those too. Like I'm surprised he's wearing a shirt right now. I, it was cold at practice. I wasn't playing. It was cold at practice, and I had to get warm up. Um. So here's my question. So I think it kind of goes along with that.
4: What's your mentality like when you're stepping out on the football field? What's going through your mind of like what you want to accomplish, not specifically personally or anything like that, just like when you step out onto the field?
9: Uh, you know, I see the game. It's it's a gladiator sport, man versus man. And, uh, you know, when you walk into a stadium, that's that's our coliseum. So we, you know, it's a, it's a game of inches. You, you you have to fight to win. And that's kind of, I kind of embrace that feeling going into a game, knowing like it's, it's an aggressive game and that's the, the tone you have to set within yourself stepping on the field.
8: So let's talk about the pre-draft process a little bit. What are the things that you're wanting to make the most improvements on through the
9: pre-draft process? I would say fully understanding an offensive playbook. I mean, it's it's a whole nother language, knowing what words mean for you. But I think I've, these past three days, I've you know tenfold gotten better at understanding it, knowing what's for me and how to listen to a play call, things like that. It's something so simple, they just they flip
4: everything upside down. Now, all of a sudden, you got the offensive
9: facing you instead of the defense. Yeah, and, you know, I see that as a, you know, a good opportunity because it helps me learn just the whole game of football in general. And, you know, as playing fullback, I know what that DN's taught to do. I know what that linebacker's taught to read. So I, I can kind of manipulate that in my game play as a fullback.
8: So, Derek, you know, you talk about you know, a little bit of background with the fullback position. Were you having to deal with a lot of protections when you were learning the fullback position at Houston? Uh, or is that something that's pretty new as you're kind of getting acclimated? Through so the pre-draft process, so what we
9: what we did at Houston, and we did. I only played a game in it during the COVID season, in the bowl game, uh-huh. but it was a short yardage, So it was either I would, you know, line in the eye, kick out the end, you know, forty-two blasts, get into the A gap, and you know, getting those two yards for the first down, yeah. things like that. But it was it was simplistic to what I'm being taught now, uh-huh. which I mean, but I think those tools that I learned, like I learned to how to block from every, like you know, the the wide position, the the F position in college. So I think that's helping me transition into this process right
4: now. now and we're gonna go back to kind of your career at houston here is there a specific play that you can remember as just like your favorite play from your time playing at houston on either side of the ball or anything like that
9: yeah yeah. so I, <laughs> it wasn't my play but it was ucf usf i'm sorry and we had a uh the, the, the dn on the other side it was a fumbled snap he picked it up came in he strip sacked it and the ball floated into my hands and I returned it for 85 yards nice. for a touchdown. How close is anyone to catching you? Oh, no. was that? No, no, not even close. Probably about 10, 15 yards.
8: So was that game at, was that game at USF or at home? It was at home. Okay. So would you rather that play have been at home celebrating you with your fans, or would you have rather been at USF and shutting the entire crowd up? Uh, USF. <laughs> That's that
9: defensive player coming through still. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's awesome when you make a big play away and, whole crowd just goes silent but our sidelines going nuts i mean that's that's a euphoric feeling all
4: right let's fast forward a little bit we're going to draft night you know draft night's here you've been going through this whole long process you get that phone call that phone call you know you pick it up you've been selected what's going through your mind as you're answering that phone and going through that phone call
9: shoot uh, i would probably break down and cry i don't know because this is something you dream of as a kid and you know as a kid growing up you see it on the tv you it seen like you know oh Yo, i want to go to the nfl but it's so far away at at that time as a little kid, you really don't like, I mean, if it could happen, why not, you know, but now it's so close and it's in reach. It's uh, I bet it'll be euphoric feeling. I'll probably tear up or something, jump up and down, do a backflip or something. I don't know.
4: (laughs) Who's going to be there with you or more importantly, who's the first person you're giving a hug to after that phone call? My mom,
9: for sure. You know, she, she gave up everything. She sacrificed a lot for me and my brother to just be able to play sports and, and love what we do on the field. And, and, you know, just, Sacrificing everything Saturdays, weekends. She, after work, she's tired, but she's taking us to practice when, you know, she could be in bed and cooking us dinner or something. So, uh, definitely my mom. That's Houston ball player, Derek Parrish.
1: You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this.
2: Welcome back to the KCSN Draft Show. BJ Kissel hanging out with ESPN's. Matt Miller. We just watched interviews with Xavier Valade and Derek Parrish from the East West Shrine Bowl. Two great interviews. Enjoyed talking with those guys and spending some being around them a little bit when we were out there. Matt, now let's get to the final player, and that is uh, Utah's Tavian Thomas, the third player that we had a chance at the running back position to talk to at the East West Shrine Bowl. What is it
3: that you like about Tavian Thomas? This dude is a bulldozer. I mean, a bulldozer, bowling ball, whatever you want. I mean, he is He's a big dude at running back, and I do wonder if we're going to see. If we talked about Derek Parrish being a fullback. I I wonder if Tavian Thomas, depending on where he goes, if he's going to play more fullback or uh, Ramondre Stevenson. When he was coming out of Oklahoma, there was this conversation about certain teams are going to use you as more of a, a an old school you know type fullback, but New England obviously uses him as a tailback, so it works out fine. I think Tavian. There's recent really similar conversations because he's 237 pounds. Uh, he ran a four seven at the combine, which is more in line with those fullback numbers. You could either be the most athletic fullback in the NFL or the least athletic running back in the NFL. It's kind of where we're at. But I think, I mean, if you were to ask me the three guys that, that we're talking about today who's most likely to get drafted, I think it's Tavian Thomas because the production was fantastic at Utah, and he's proven uh, that he could do it. And I, I do still think that there is a shift to going back to that, like, downhill, you know, hard-nosed football, and he, and he fits that. So if you want a one-cut dude that's just going to – smash people you short yardage back that's who Tavian Thomas is so um and I will say earlier in his career he was he was bigger and a little bit more heavy-footed I thought he was actually lighter more athletic this year I know like the combine performance wasn't great but I think as a running back uh, there's a role for a player like this as defenses get smaller wouldn't you like a children 35 pound sledgehammer that you can throw out of every now and then
2: it's amazing how it always goes back and forth, and the defense gets bigger, and then they get faster, and it's just the ebbs and flows yep. of, of how the NFL and the schemes and all that stuff work, but uh, I know at the East-West Shrine, we had a chance to, I was talking with our guy, our friend, Emery Hunt, uh, quite a bit, and that guy loves him some big running backs, and we spent some time talking yeah. about Tavian Thomas, but uh, be interesting to see, as far as the Chiefs, what kind of role or what kind of fit there would be there, had 687 yards rushing last year, did deal with an injury, uh, missed some time, and then opted out of that bowl game to get ready for the draft. One knock on him, and it's more of the fullback discussion that it ties into, but just 10 catches for 50 yards in his career. Yeah. Out a big receiver out of the backfield, which you know Andy Reid loves to use, not that he can't find a, a skill set with anybody and figure out a way to, to bring it out. But uh, let's throw to that interview right now with uh, Utah's Tavian Thomas. Hanging out with running back Tavian Thomas out of Utah. Tavian. Thanks for hanging
8: out with us, man.
10: Uh, Thank y'all for having me on the show, man.
8: Yeah, dude, we're really excited to talk to you. I would love to know just a little bit about your journey into the game of football. Um, Why did you fall in love with football?
10: Uh, I fell in love with football because I knew where it could could take me at. Uh, Football, it took me to a lot of places that I thought I would never be able to experience and see. So once I just picked that up and, you know, I just never, I just always ran with it. Yeah, I, that's pretty much it.
4: But, yeah. Is there someone in your life, you know, childhood that has helped inspire you
10: to chase this dream? Uh, yeah, I want to say um, my family um, and, like, my coaches and stuff like that helped me.
8: So when did you kind of realize that football was something that could change your life?
10: I want to say um, my, I want to say probably my senior, junior year. When I start uh sure when I went to school for it, like, I'm like, dang, like it's really changing like you know, um I probably yeah, I just probably said that and knowing that I'm getting uh getting looked at for the NFL and stuff like that. so that's probably that that helped me out a lot too
4: is there a, is there a coach that you've had that's really helped make an impact on you as a player on the field that you still feel like you can go back and talk to today about anything that you have going on?
10: Mm, yeah, I wanna say my uh my high school coach from uh high school, he, he still be he, he still be in my ear, man. So I'll probably say him. So
8: um let's talk about you know what you're trying to improve through this pre-draft process. Obviously, this is a big opportunity for you to be full time in football and kind of, you know, go through that. What are the things that you're really trying to emphasize uh in developing for uh before the draft?
10: Uh I wanna say I wanna just my this is my hands, but they people say, you know, I can't catch So I want to show them I can catch, you feel me. And uh, I'd probably say just really like um, delving into the little details of the game, um, learning different languages and stuff like that. Probably just say that.
4: So, when you're getting ready to go out there on the field for a game, what's, what's your mentality as you're coming out of the locker room, you're coming out of the tunnel, going out there? What's going on in your head? What's your mentality as you're taking the field?
10: And I'm trying to destroy it, man. I'm trying to. Whoever in my way, I'm trying to, you know, uh, just run through them and stuff like that. So that's really, like, my mentality. I don't try to come be, like, friendly with uh, especially <laughs> on the field. Can you turn that on as you're stepping on the field,
4: or do you have a little bit of, like, a, a process or something to get to that point before the game?
10: Uh, So I'll probably say after that first little, you know what I'm saying, that first play, then it's like, okay, boom, I'm on. Uh-huh. Then it's like, um, yeah, I'll probably just say that, like, that first little – after that snap, and it's like it just give me, give me warmed up, get me going, and then my, yeah, I just go from there.
8: All right, let's let's talk about what's your favorite play that you like to run. You like to run it up inside. You want to run zone. Uh, you want to run outside. What do you want?
10: Uh, I, I like the outside, and I like going downhill too. So it's pretty as, long as I, You feel me? We running. I don't really <laughs> care which way, but I really like outside, outside zone stuff like that.
4: Is there a specific game throughout your career that you would go back to and just tell someone to go watch to see the best version of you that you think's out there?
10: Mm, so I won't count Stanford, I ain't going to lie, but <laughs> a real deal game that you see me, you know, cutting and, you know, long the shot, I'll probably say UCLA. Yeah. That game right there.
4: Is there a specific play from that game or maybe another one that really stands out in your mind is just a, your favorite play from your career?
10: Uh, well, I kind of Stanford, I kind of got my favorite look because it got me no yeah. dipping and uh, split the finish and ran downfield. I will probably say Stanford got my favorite highlight play, yeah. but like the game, just to you know, uh, dog on dog. Yeah, UCLA. So the Stanford play. What, what do you mind telling me what
4: the call was and just kind of why you remember it so much?
10: Uh, it was a, I'm it was an inside zone. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm uh, did my overcross step and I seen the linebacker coming. So when I seen him, he, he hit the gap. I done dip, boom. Then another lineman came. I out I, I got skinny. Oh, yeah. Fade me out of, uh, shot through it. And it was smooth right through that. Yeah, I was just running. Got caught a little bit, but I still made it through. You feel me? Still got it, <laughs> <the> touchdown. <laughs> still got through.
8: All right, so where was that game at?
10: Uh. So we played at home in Utah. All
8: right, so let's say you're making a big play like that. And do you want that play to be – at Utah at home with all your fr- fans freaking out in front of you, or do you want it to be on the road, shutting everybody up?
10: Place goes quiet. I, mean, I, I want it on the road. <laughs> I, want it, I, yeah, I want to spoil their little parade. <laughs>
7: I'll
10: probably say on the road. Tavion, sure. you know, pass protection is
8: obviously a big thing for running backs as you're getting into the next level. um You know, how comfortable do you feel with pass protection? Uh, and and what do you think it's going to be like trying to transition to the NFL where there's a lot more protection calls, a lot more assignments and adjustments there?
10: Uh, I I love blocking. That's my man. Like that's just my passion. If you ask anybody, like they know, like we get the one on ones whatever. I'm uh, I'm trying to. Eat. <laughs> I I don't know. I just love the block. So and I love it like I said I let it go hit so it's like I feel like I'm be, I'm adjust to it real real good cuz that's what I'm looking for more than even just run a little bit it's kind of crazy but yeah I'm looking for like blocking and protecting quarterback and stuff like that
4: so after a game you know you have a good game or just after a game what do you want the opposing coach you know they get up on their podium they're giving their presser what do you want them to say about you after a game's over
10: oh um, so uh that boy a handful <laughs> uh but I probably I really don't be looking for it, but you know. But I want to say, like he—he he was a handful. We got to get on him, man. Yeah, I probably say that. All
4: right, so let's, let's fast forward. You know, fast forward through this draft process. It's Long, it's grueling. You finally get to the end. It's draft night, and that phone call comes in. It's a team calling you, telling you they've selected you. Just what—what what are the emotions that you're going to be going through at that point in time?
10: Oh, man, well, oh, that ain't gonna lie. Kind of give me chills right now. To yeah. Even think about that card, man, because. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be, it's going to be like a, it's going to be a lot of emotion. I ain't going to lie. I ain't going to say, you know, it probably, y'all probably going to see me a uh, boo-hoo. I ain't going to lie. Cause, yeah, I'll probably say that's going to be a lot of emotion. And I,
4: who's all going to be there with you? Or just more importantly, who who are you going to give a hug to first after that call? Uh,
10: I'm going to say Mom Dukes. I'm going I'm to hug mom, my mom and my cousin, who, my kids and stuff like that. So it's going to be, it's going to be one of them ones
2: on best of luck to you, man. We really appreciate you spending some time with us. Yes, yeah, sir. Appreciate y'all for having me on the show. Welcome back to the KCSN Draft Show. I'm BJ Kissel, hanging out with ESPN's Matt Miller. All right, Matt, that was the final interview that we've got. Let's put a bow on this show talking running backs for the Chiefs. If you were Brett Veach, Chiefs General Manager, or on that staff, how would you attack the running back position as it relates to the draft? You know, you mentioned Jarek McKinnon still being out there as a free agent off the top. Is I guess I'll ask you a more specific question. Do you think the Jerick McKinnon stuff, like a lot of veterans, um, that it may, if he hasn't signed at this point, it's probably going to be till after the draft, either not wanting to report soon or something to do with, you know, the compensatory pick formula for any veteran that signs a deal over $2 million, counts against the comp pick. Maybe he has something to do with that as to why he hasn't signed. But in general, how would you attack this through the Chiefs?
3: Yeah, I think it's nice knowing you have an, an optional jet. You, know, you can head into the draft with, 11 picks or whatever the Chiefs are at right now, it it, it feels like it changes daily. So, um, you can head into the draft with a ton of capital and say, hey, if if a player falls, depending on our board, we could select someone and then, you know, maybe Jets not an option. So, I will say this is a very deep running back class. Obviously, Bijan Robinson from Texas is going to go first round, um, you know, but then you have like Jameer Gibbs, who's a fantastic receiver out of the backfield. He's going to go early round too. But there are so many players who, can either be starters or, or you know, big time role players like Zach Evans from Ole Miss who uh, some people will remember from when he was at TCU. You know, he was actually the number one running back class in the year that Bishon Robinson went to Texas. He was the number one back, Zach Evans was. So, I mean, this is a very talented guy. Uh, Devin Chan from Texas a and If you want a slasher, if you want a speed back to pair with Pichico, right, there's your dude right there who's, you know, he's smaller, you know, but he's just electrically fast in the open field. So I think there's that, you know, if you, if they've decided that that role of the pass catching running back is important because of what we saw last year, I think there are young options uh, that are, are you know, going to be a little bit healthier long term than Jet McKinnon. But I'm such a huge fan of him that I, I hope yeah. for his sake and for the Chief's sake, I hope he's back. But he's a great running back class, dude, where I mean, just like last year, you could find a guy in round six who's going to play uh, and play a lot, or round seven, if a comes from round seven, you can find a guy that can be a starter you know at, in late day three so uh i think that position is also just like why wouldn't you draft going every year or every other year right. at least well, just to to turn the bottom of your roster i'm just bothered that you're talking to a k-stater here about a
2: short electric running back uh the chiefs might take and you're not talking deuce. about our guy deuce fawn i mean if you're yeah. looking for a jerick if they've not jarek mckinnon coming back but you want somebody that can fill that role
3: yeah well, nah. i say short uh so you you're short <laughs> Um, so your son is probably taller than Deuce Vaughn, BJ. Let's be honest. Um,
2: that's not a bad thing for a running back. No, especially. That's a thick, it's the same thing with, I don't want to compare him thinking he's going to have the kind of career that Darren Sproles did. Darren Sproles, like top 10 in NFL history and like all purpose yards. Right. But I will compare him in that. A lot of people thought that Sproles was too small, not just in stature, but they didn't realize how thick and strong that dude was. It's the same thing with Deuce Vaughn. That dude's took some hits. He's short, but he is not thin or wiry in that kind of way uh, where we've seen some guys come out that have that speed like a De anthony thomas where his frame was just really small no it's not the same exact kind of player but deuce vaughn's size i think is more of an advantage for him especially at the nfl level hiding um behind these guys than it is necessarily a detriment or a problem
3: just knowing what he does you know and i think that's the guy was uber productive at k-state so there's obviously talent there right on a serious note there's obviously talent there um it's just finding a role like are you gonna draft yep. him and expect him to stay in on third down and keep Patrick Mahomes from getting smacked in the face absolutely not that's not what he someone would jump over him to get the to Pat. it's not gonna happen but if you wanted you know um somebody that I never thought about dynamic and open space you know who does he's gonna hide behind Creed Offrey and Trey Smith and Lucas Nying or whoever's a right tackle and he's you know durable he's proven um he's elusive yeah. Yeah, there's a role for a guy like that. You just have to know what they're good at. All right. Appreciate everybody for hanging out. This was
2: a fun episode of the KCSN Draft Show. We've got uh, plenty more content and a special series starting tomorrow, starting Saturday, April 1st on our YouTube channel. We will have a different breakdown of a different draft prospect every day leading up to the draft with Kent Swanson and former Chiefs linebacker and and 10-year NFL veteran Sean Barber going to be helping break those down. So make sure to hit the like and subscribe on YouTube. Make sure you're following us there and don't miss any of those breakdowns. So that's going to be a whole lot of fun. Matt, man, appreciate you for joining us. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk next week.
1: Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network.
2: Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard
1: and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN. Covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou, by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.
7: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium?